Chapter 11. It's playtime. Chapter goals. To help you, one, increase the number of learning opportunities in parent-child toy play, and two, support constructive, varied, independent toy play. Why varied, flexible toy play is so important to learning. Young children spend most of their free time playing. If they are not in the middle of care routines or naps, they are playing with the people and objects around them. Playtime has a number of important functions. One, young children use play to build new skills. Trying again and again to climb the stairs, to put things in and take them out of containers, to push the car, to fit the puzzle piece, or to arrange their toys just so. Two, they also use play to practice skills they have already mastered. It's easy to see how much pleasure young children receive from exercising their skills in play. Three, they vary their play and try creative new ways to use their toys and other objects. And they can turn almost anything into a plaything. Plastic storage containers, rags, boxes, sticks, and sand work, just as well as the newest creative plaything from Grandma. Four, young children also use toy play to practice social skills. We see this in the way they like to have others join in their toy play. They learn by watching what others do with toys, and they learn to share, take turns, and cooperate with others during toy play. In pretend play with others, they practice social routines from daily life in their play with dolls, toy dishes, doctor bags, and toy animals. They act out what they have seen people do in real life and what they have experienced in their own lives. And of course, when a partner is involved, playtime becomes language learning time. What's happening in autism? Though all young children enjoy repetitive play, banging a spoon on the high chair, splashing water during bath time, playing with a pull toy, most young children vary their play routines. They do many different activities in a play hour, and they play with an object in several different ways. Young children with ASD usually enjoy play toy as well and play with a range of objects. They often enjoy puzzles, blocks, cars, swings, and slides like their peers and play with them similarly, but their play may differ from that of their peers in these ways. They tend to repeat an action or motion more frequently than their age mates. They spend an unusually long time with their favorite toys, doing the same thing over and over. They don't seem to become bored nearly as quickly as other children do. Their play may be much simpler than that of their age mates. They may get much pleasure out of playing with simple toys in simple ways, using skills they learned months or years ago, instead of using play to practice new skills. They may play with unusual objects or in unusual ways. They may prefer to carry their cars around, one in each hand, or to line them up rather than drive them. They may enjoy playing with objects like strings, shoes, or other materials and ignore their more typical toys. They demonstrate less interest and skill with pretend play than their age mates do. Pretending with do dishes, dolls, or stuffed animals, doctor's kits, dress-up materials, and similar toys does not seem to interest them, and they may not appear to understand this kind of play. They seem more content to play alone with their toys, and for longer periods, than their age mates do. They do not seem as motivated to include parents, siblings, or others in their play as their age mates are. Why is it a problem? Of course, when children are playing alone, they don't have as many opportunities to learn language as they do when they are playing with parents, grandparents, and older siblings. But the differences in how, they, in how they play limit their learning opportunities in two other ways as well. One, repetitive, simple play with few objects robs play of novelty, significantly reducing new learning opportunities. Two, playing alone significantly limits children's opportunities to learn not only new language from their partners, but also new play concepts and the social skills and scripts that usually accompany object play.
Since children with autism have difficulty imitating others, they actually need more time playing with others, not less, to get the same benefit from social play as typically developing kids do. The play that you've been encouraging with your child as you've read chapters 4 through 10 of this book has been aimed at building specific other skills, language skills, social and cognitive skills, and communication. In this chapter, which is centered on constructive play, and the next one, which addresses pretend or symbolic play, we focus on play in its own right. Young children with autism will learn more through their play when they can learn to play with lots of different material and lots of different people in lots of different ways, in a social and reciprocal fashion. Increase your child's enjoyment in play, and you'll increase the breadth of learning opportunities that your child gains from play. What you can do to increase variety, flexibility, and learning opportunities in parent-child toy play. Caution. Teaching new and more varied ways of play requires using objects to imitate actions. If your child is not doing this very frequently yet, spend a little more time with the activities in Chapter 8 before focusing on the strategies described in this chapter. Imitating others' actions with objects is a building block for developing more mature and varied play. Building play skills from imitation. Good news! You already know how to teach your child to expand his play. That's because teaching play skills is just like teaching imitation with objects. You will use imitation as your main tool for teaching play skills, and you will teach play by using the same four-part joint activity framework that you have been using to build other skills. One, you will set up object play opportunities that follow your child's interests. You will provide attractive materials and interesting activities that motivate your child to play with you, and you and your child will begin to play, following your child's interest into the materials. Two, you will develop a play routine, which involves joining in play with your child, taking turns, and establishing a main theme. You will use variation, in which you show your child how to play in new ways and hand over materials to your child, and help her imitate you and practice the new ways to play. Four, for the closing transition, you will finish the activity when your child's interest starts to wane. The two of you then put the materials away and make a transition to another activity. Deciding what kinds of play to teach. How do you decide what play skills to teach your child? You already know more about the answer to this question than you might think. You know what toys your child has, what toys your child likes, and how your child plays with those toys. What you may need are some ideas for new play skills to teach. You can expand your child's toy play skills in two main ways. One, by increasing the number of toys your child knows how to play with, and two, by helping your child increase the complexity of his or her play. Let's start with the topic of increasing the number of toys your child knows how to play with. First, you will need to select toys and household objects that support play like nesting measuring cups, pan lids that bang, rolling pins and dough, that fit your child's current skills. All children have a wide range of play skills in their repertoire, and your child likely does too. Some of his skills may involve very simple play, play skills he has been carrying out for a long time, like shaking, banging, dropping, watching things move, and mouthing. Others are more mature play skills, and involve handling objects in some type of cause and effect play, like putting blocks in a shape sorter, putting pieces in a puzzle, or driving small cars around on the floor. Save the pretend play toys for the next chapter. In this chapter, you will be focusing on toys that are interesting because of their cause and effect quality. 
Start by making a list of all the toys your child has that seem to fit your child's more mature play skills. Once you have done that, circle the toys that your child currently knows how to play with without any physical prompts from you. These circled toys are your maintenance toys, the familiar toys that your child knows and likely enjoys. You will want to be sure to use some of these every day for play. Put an M for maintenance beside those. Now look at the remainder of the list. There are probably a lot of toys that your child has but does not play with. Circle the five that seem like toys your child could learn easily and would enjoy. These are likely very good choices for the toys you want to teach. Put a G beside those five. Those are your goal toys. Gather them up, organize their pieces, put them in an easy to reach spot where you can pull them down for daily play. These are the five toys that you will focus on first. The next section will help you develop a teaching strategy. Once your child has learned these five, go back through this process, marking those with an M as well, because your child has now learned them, and choosing five more as goal toys. It is safe to assume that your child could learn to play with one or two new toys every week in a simple way if you play with them daily and help her learn them. In this way, week by week, you will be increasing your child's repertoire of toy play skills. Helpful tip. We'll say it again. Electronic toys seem to stimulate repetitive and isolated play for young children with autism. So while you are working on expanding play, we suggest you put them away and also turn off the TV and movies. Focus on simple, constructive toys, household objects, and pretend play toys. Playing with cause and effect action toys. Now that you have identified a number of goal toys or household objects to teach that involve cause and effect actions, you'll begin by helping your child learn how to use each of these objects according to its main theme, the most typical way that other children would use it. You will use the joint activity framework to be sure your child learns both the main theme of each object and one or more variations. You have already begun this work by helping your child learn to imitate actions on objects. See chapter 8. Here we are focusing on using the same techniques to build up your child's skills set with toys. Helping your child learn the main theme of a number of toys or objects. Most young children's toys have at least one main theme. For books, it is looking at the pictures and words. For shapes, sorters, and puzzles, it is matching the shapes and putting things in. For pegs, it is putting them in the holes. For blocks, it is stacking and building with them. You want to be sure that your child learns how to do the main action that goes with each object. If your child does not know how to play with one or more of his toys, start with that one main object and its main theme. You need only one action to create a theme for the play. If you're not sure what that is, Observe your child's actions with the objects or think about the intended function of the object. Is it meant to roll, stack, bounce, push, pull, go in, out, or go up, down? Pick a name for the action and take turns doing it with your child. Here is the sequence. Bring out the toy. Get into a good face-to-face -face position with your child, either on the floor or standing or sitting at a little table or the coffee table. Put the toy between the two of you. Take one or two pieces and show your child how it works by doing it, quickly and with fun sound effects or simple words. Is your child interested? Is he looking at the toy, reaching for a piece, sitting down, or watching your actions? If so, then hand your child a piece and see if he copies what you did. If he does, give him a cheer and do a piece yourself, followed by handing your child another piece. He's playing with the toy appropriately. If he doesn't imitate what you did, help him do it by physically guiding him through the action. 
You may have to repeat the action, exaggerating the effect and or slowing down the action so your child can observe and process the steps. Or you might have to start the action and then let your child finish it. If this does not work, then again, physically help your child complete the action. Give a cheer and hand over another piece, helping your child again. Is your child still interested? Terrific. Take a quick turn yourself and give your child another piece. See if she starts to do it correctly. If so, wait for her to finish, give a cheer, and give another piece if she is still interested. If not, give enough help so that she is successful. Try to give your child three to five opportunities to carry out the single action involved in the activity or more opportunities if he seems interested. Staying seated, reaching, watching. Take turns, hand the pieces over, and help your child as needed. Have fun, label, cheer, and enjoy your child's efforts to learn. Bring this gold toy out for some playtime daily if you can while your child is learning it. It will probably be more fun for your child with repeated experiences. Remember to bring out several maintenance toys each day as well, different ones from day to day, so your child continues to practice and enjoy those familiar toys. Helpful tip. Many typical toys for young children have many pieces. If your child does not yet know how to carry out the main theme of the toy on her own with one piece, start with just one or two pieces, not all the pieces, so your child does not get distracted by the number of pieces. Similarly, have just one toy in front of her to play with may help your child focus on the skills being taught. The toy will be in your child's spotlight of attention and avoid becoming confused or distracted by having too many play materials available at once. Once your child is using a piece of the gold toy correctly, you can start expanding on his play by encouraging him to put in more than one piece. Set up the toy as you did before, but instead of handing the pieces over one at a time, put two or three pieces down on the floor or table. Pick up one and do it yourself, and then wait for your child to get the other. When your child can pick up two pieces, one at a time, and complete the action with both, you can pull more pieces out. Remember to take some turns, label the objects, label the actions, show your pleasure at your child's efforts, and shift toys as your child's interest wanes. In the appendix at the end of this book is a list of toys to pick from that work well for teaching varied play with young children of various ages. Here are some ideas for gold toys involving various types of toys that your child might not be playing with you with yet. Books, art materials, ball play, puzzles, shape sorters, color sorters, pegboards, building toys and nesting toys, stringing and lacing, musical toys, especially rhythm instruments, xylophones, and keyboards. Helpful tips for choosing books. Look for minimal words and pictures on a page. Look for simple stories that are repetitive and or that rhyme. Board books with mirrors, dirty flaps, etc. are a great, great way to involve your child. Look for common children's interests, baby faces, emotions, animals, actions, children's routines, etc. As your child embarks on new adventures, such as potty training, washing hands, and so forth, it is helpful to incorporate books discussing these topics into your daily routine. And most important, Follow your child's lead. Involve the child in the book choosing process whenever possible. A great way to allow your child to choose books and to supplement your book collection is to visit your local library. The list of toys and children's books in the appendix at the end of the book are great sources of suggestions if relatives ask for gift ideas for your child. Teaching your child a variation on the main theme. Variations add complexity. 
flexible pay is very important for learning. You, are you see flexibility when you see your child do more than one thing with a toy. So once your child learns to play with her toys in the main way for which the toy was intended, the main theme, you should introduce a variation. Blocks can be stacked, but also lined up as a road to drive with cars or trains. Connecting blocks, Legos or Tinkler toys, can be assembled and turned into a helicopter, ice cream cone, or rollers. Children can color with markers, but also with crayons, chalk, and with paintbrushes, and they can make marks, lines, and dots, or can trace and color shapes. Another way to add variation and complexity is to increase the number of actions your child is doing with each toy, both the gold toys and the maintenance toys. There are three ways to add complexity to a toy. One, adding more pieces. Two, adding more actions. And three, adding more phases or stages to the play. Building play complexity encourages your child's thinking, memory, organization, and planning. It also holds your child's attention on a toy for longer and longer periods. So building complexity is building your child's thinking ability. Adding more pieces is an easy way to build complexity, and it was mentioned in the steps above. Children begin with a new cause and effect toy by learning how one piece goes in or out or around. However, when your child works with multiple pieces, the whole play becomes more complex. If the toy is a puzzle or a small pegboard or the like, adding all the pieces introduces the idea of completion, all the pieces being placed, not just one. The goal has become much more complex and your child has to maintain the goal of completing until all the pieces are placed. Build up the number of pieces as slowly as you need to to help your child sustain attention and motivation to finish. The number of pieces remaining will define the finish point for a while. After your child learns a toy, the number of holes to be filled, if visible, also defines the finish point. In addition to adding more pieces, you can start to think about adding more actions. What actions are involved in a five-hole pegboard? If you lay out the board, place one peg first, and then hand your child a peg, your child has one action to complete. Put in. You hand your child the five pieces one at a time, and she puts each in, then she has completed five actions all involving putting in. If the five pieces are lying on the table and your child takes each in turn and places it, she has completed 10 actions, each involving a two action sequence, pick up and put in. If after completing the pegboard, you encourage your child to take each one out and put it on the table, you have added another 10 actions, five takeouts and five put downs. So as you are teaching the toys, you can build complexity by adding related actions to the play and encouraging your child to develop simple sequences of actions involving each toy, which builds independence and in play, as well as planning and sustained attention. For each toy you and your child play with, whether goal or maintenance toys, think about how to add these simple action sequences so your child is carrying out more related actions with each piece and each toy. The final way to build complexity is to add more phases or stages to the toy play. Your setup and closing transition routines are two such phases. In setup, selecting a toy from a shelf, carrying it to the floor or a table, opening it up, and getting the pieces out is a whole set of actions in itself for your child to learn. Picking up, carrying, placing on a table, and laying the pieces out for play is another series or sequence of related actions involved in preparing to play. These may involve 10 different actions for your child to carry out before the play even begins adding more complexity to the play, mental stimulation for your child, language learning opportunities, and sustained attention toward the goal of the toy play. Your closing transition phase is similar. 
When you and your child decide you are done with a certain toy, and your child helps put the pieces back into the container, closes it, stands up, picks up the materials, and puts them away, your child has completed another series of actions and has benefited from the thinking, planning, attending, and communication that accompany it. Each of your variations in play is also a phase or stage that allows for additional complexity. For example, let's say you're using Play-Doh together, and the first theme after the setup is rolling the dough into snakes and then joining the ends to make O's. This involves multiple repeated actions for your child. One, squeezing a lump of dough in her hand. Two, putting it on the table. Three, flattening her hand and rolling the dough back and forth until the dough is now a snake. And three, uh, four, using both hands to grasp the ends and pinch them together. Four actions for every snake. For the variation, you demonstrate cutting the snake into little pieces with child scissors. It helps your child learn to cut. Now your child has to take the first three actions to make a snake, and then four, pick up the scissors, five, pick up the snake, six, cut the snake, and seven, cut the snake again. These seven actions occur in an action sequence for each of the snakes. So if your child has had a setup phase, a closing transition phase, the theme, and a variation phase, he may well have completed a hundred actions with your help in this 15-minute activity. A very complex chain of actions with multiple goals, plans, language, and communication opportunities, and sustained attention. This is where you are headed over much time and practice with your child into complex toy play that your child understands, carries out independently, and enjoys. See how well this prepares your child for both independent play and play in preschool with other children. In this section, we have been discussing how to teach your child to play with an increasing number of typical toddler preschooler cause and effect toys with increasing play complexity. For these kinds of toys, the theme of the play is in the cause and effect actions that the object presents and the variations stay with that cause and effect theme. However, there's another type of play that children do with objects, which involves learning the conventional social use of objects, such as using a playphone, stove, cash register, and so on. This is often called functional play or conventional play. It's discussed in connection with pretend play in chapter 12. What you can do to help your child play independently. Besides playing with others, your child needs to be able to play alone constructively with toys once or twice a day so that you can do something else. Laundry, cooking, making beds, taking a shower, answering email, talking to a friend, and so on. Although most children will readily watch a video independently, constructive independent play does not mean watching videos repeatedly. Independent play that is appropriate and varied allows your child to continue to learn during these periods and to play as others do. To do that, your child needs to come up with appropriate play on his own without imitating you. A reasonable goal is 10 to 15 minutes of appropriate play. A good time to start to target this is once your child can easily and frequently imitate the actions you are modeling, has built up a number of play routines with different toys, and can sequence a number of actions with each toy, including setup and closing transition with your support. To work on spontaneous and independent play, you will change strategies. Your new strategy will be to support your child to choose a toy, set it up, and begin to play without your taking any role as a model. How can you foster this? Here are five steps. Step one, organize for independence. Step two, ease out of the play partner role. 
Step three, decrease support for the setup and closing transition phases. Step four, change toys frequently. Step five, move farther away from your child. Step one, organize for independence. How you organize your child's toys can make a big difference in your child's independent play. Here are some ideas. Limit the number of toys that are accessible. Too many choices leads to disorganized play and makes it harder for your child to focus on one toy at a time. Store extra toys in a closet or on a high shelf somewhere. Having six toys available to choose from is plenty. Organize the toys on a low shelf that your child can reach. Try to get them off the floor. Don't stack toys. Separate them so your child can easily pick one and put it back. Put out a few different cause and effect toys that your child likes and that have a number of different actions, all of which your child can carry out alone. Here are some examples. A puzzle, a shape sorter, beads for stringing, plastic bricks for building, and pegs in a pegboard. Avoid using electronic toys when you are beginning to teach independent play. Place the pieces in containers, bins, or baskets so your child can easily select a toy and put it away. Put multiple pieces in baggies. Use clear shoe boxes to contain all the parts. Your child should be able to get the toy from shelf to floor alone in one trip. If the pieces fall out or he has to make several trips, chances are that he will lose focus toward his goal. Watch what happens when your child tries to choose a toy and set it up for play. If it is hard for him, consider how you can make it easier. Does it need to be easier to reach? Fewer parts? Less difficult to make work properly? Make sure your child can open and close the containers independently. Be sure there is a little table and chair for your child nearby or a rug or blanket or mat on the floor a little distance away. Four to six feet is a good distance from play area to toys. This is the setup for independent play. Do not have the TV on and do not have food available. These are big distractions. Try to situate the play area so that other people do not need to walk through it as they do their activities at home. If you need some ideas for activities, look at what other children your child's age are playing with. Objects that involve multiple steps are the right kinds of toys for expanding children's constructive play skills. Good choices include some of the ones listed in the appendix at the end of this book, including board books with large pictures, blocks, multi-shaped block sets, nesting toys, cups, simple shape sorters, Legos, Duplos, Magnadoodle, pegboards with multicolored pegs, and puzzles. If you need more ideas, check out websites for parents. Begin by reading the ideas for children your child's age. If those ideas seem too mature for your child, drop back in age level until you find something that fits with your knowledge about what your child can do and enjoys doing. When your child knows how to play as other children do and with the same materials, your child has the skills needed to join other children in play and to learn from them by imitating them. And the other children can learn from your child as well, because you will have developed your child's play skills over many toys and many actions. Step two, ease out of the play partner role. Your new strategy will be to support your child to choose a toy, set it up, and begin to play without your taking any role as a model or partner. Here are some ideas. Try this when you and your child are playing with a favorite toy that your child can use easily. Once she starts playing, scoop back a little and turn your body a little to the side so that you are not so available. Watch quietly and see what your child does. Does your child continue to play with the object for a few minutes without your help? If so, your child has succeeded in playing spontaneously. Hold back a little longer and then comment approvingly about what your child has done. Yes, ball in the bucket! 
or you shook it, shake, shake, shake. This attention and narration should provide reinforcement for your child's independent behavior. If your child does not continue to play independently when you stop taking turns, no problem. You can build up the skill. Start again as you did before. If your child does not continue to play after you pull back, then prompt your child to continue, taking a turn if you need to. In your child's next turn, be more active as an observer. Narrate, show interest, smile, and nod approval. But don't take a turn until your child stops playing. Try to keep your child playing for a few minutes, giving as few prompts as your child needs to play in an appropriate and varied way. Then support your child through the closing and a transition to a new toy. Pay attention to how many times you're, you need to help your child continue playing for three to five minutes of play. Over time, you want to see this number shrink as your child gets used to playing without your turn-taking support. As your child's interest wanes, encourage your child to clean up the toy and take it to the shelf himself. Help him if he needs it, but help from the side or from behind. If your child does not put the box on the shelf, prompt him to do so and then to choose another toy. Congratulations, your child has just shown you some appropriate, motivated, independent play. Step three, decrease support for the setup and closing transition phases. Once your child can play out the theme and variation phases with a toy nicely and independently and can sustain this for a few minutes, she needs to learn to carry out the setup and closing transition steps independently to sustain independent play. Here are some suggestions for all four steps. Setup. Have your child come over to look at the boxes and physically choose one by picking it up. Support your child as needed from behind to carry the toy to the play space. See where your child is headed, table or floor, and then support your child as needed to put the box on the table or floor, sit down, get out all the pieces, and lay them out in front of him. Sit with your child, but not right in front and not too close. The side is a good place for now, but eventually you will want to be behind your child. Theme. Wait for your child to begin and watch your child build the theme, narrating occasionally. Variation. Encourage a variation through language, prompts, and gestures. Try to go through these types of prompts before taking a direct turn. Say or verbalize an action for your child to do. Can the car drive fast? Offer, show, give, or point to what the child might do. Look, the car can drive there, or can the car crash into the block, hand in the block? Model or gesture as you need to so your child adds a variation, but don't then take turns. Continue to observe and comment. Closing transition. As your child's interest wanes, encourage her to put materials back in the box to clean up. Then have your child stand up, pick up the box, take it over and put it where it was, and pick up another box. Notice that the closing leads into a transition to a new setup. By prompting as needed from behind or beside your child rather than in front, you are teaching your child how to carry out this transition on her own. This is the key to independent play, your child's ability to sustain play across multiple toys. Step four, change toys frequently. Change one or two of the toy choices every day or two, but don't change them all. Do make sure to rotate all the toys, even your child's absolute favorites, so your child develops a wider and wider range of toys he plays with independently. When your child gets a new toy, join your child in turn-taking play until your child knows how to do all the steps. Then it can also become a choice for independent play.
to five, move farther away from your child. Here are some suggestions. Gradually move farther away once your child starts with a toy and make yourself less readily available. Read a magazine page or two, put something away, move something to another room. Do not provide more support than your child needs. Actually, try to provide a little less. It is okay for your child to struggle a little once the routine is well established, so she can solve problems that arise in independent play. Helping your child learn to make transitions between toys independently is the key here, and soon it may be the only time you need to support your child in this. Remember that the goal here is child independence. Don't expect your child to play as creatively alone as he does with you, though he may. The goal here is playing alone constructively, not practicing every skill you have taught. After your child is playing well independently, choosing several different toys, and managing the transitions well alone, you can add an electronic toy to the set of choices if you want to see what happens. If your child starts to choose it preferentially and gets stuck, put it away again. This is true for any toy that your child uses in a highly repetitive fashion and cannot move away from. Repetitive play doesn't give your child many learning opportunities. That is why you are rotating choices frequently to prevent repetitive play, to increase your child's play repertoire and flexibility, and to prevent boredom. Summary of steps one through five. If you have followed along and carried out the preceding activities, you are establishing joint activity routines and teaching your child to play with toys flexibly and independently. See if you agree with most of the statements in the following checklist. If so, you are now armed with important skills to expanding your child's play knowledge that you will use in the next chapter. If not, start experimenting during play and caregiving routines until you have found some methods that work for each statement. Questions you may have. What about siblings? Your child with ASD will probably learn independent play more quickly if you can focus on teaching this when siblings aren't demanding your attention, such as when siblings are napping or off on their own activities. If you can't, however, you can teach both children to carry out the independent play routine, coaching the sibling with language while you prompt your child with ASD from a closer position. This will also provide opportunities to teach each child to respect the other's child's materials. To wait until the other has finished if they both want the same toy. What if my child does not add new actions to the play? First, make sure your child is interested in the play. Is he reaching for the materials, taking turns doing things with the materials, and watching your actions? Your child needs to be interested in the materials and enjoying the activity to learn how to do new actions. Second, be sure to model new actions when your child is watching. Otherwise, he won't see the new skills you're trying to teach. Third, resist physically teaching your child to do things. Instead, model the action several times with your toy, add fun effects to increase motivation, and encourage your child with words and gestures. If you have to help physically, be sure to use it as a last resort and continue to practice the new action so your child can strengthen his skills. Chapter Summary in this chapter, we have focused on expanding your child's play abilities with a wide range of objects using a wide range of actions. There are two main purposes for focusing so much on toy play. One, to build your child's thinking, language, and social skills. And two, to prepare your child well for participating in typical early childhood settings. Building your child's play skills with a typical range of toys found in any 
early childhood setting is crucial for both these purposes. In doing so, you are also building your child's curiosity, awareness of others, and sense of confidence. We have also focused on building children's independent play skills. The ability to play alone constructively for periods of time is an important skill for every child. Preschools expect that children will have independent play skills. We have provided steps for building up both your child's independence in play and your child's range of play skills. Constructive play is only one type of play that we want to encourage in young children with ASD. The other type is pretend play, also referred to as symbolic play. The next chapter will focus on this.